It is a very good afternoon. It's Niall Boyle, which is this afternoon. Now, over the next half an hour or so, a very interesting conversation. Many of you will know the story of Julian Assange. I don't think I need to go back over the whole story, but it all started in 2010, of course. He became into international attention. Uh, he is the founder of WikiLeaks. You all know where he is right now. He's in jail. And of course, many leaders around the world have demanded that he be released from jail, have demanded that the American government stop their attempts to extradite him back to the United States for charges, including the Australian Prime Minister, and including other countries around the world. But it doesn't seem to be happening. He did get married last year, although he's still in jail. We're going to find out a little bit more about that marriage and what we can do and what other people can do to help Julian Assange. Joining me is his wife, Stella. Uh, good afternoon to you, Stella. Good afternoon. Stella, first of all, can I suppose the best question to ask is, how are you? Well, it's uh, it's a hard situation, obviously, uh, but we're fighting on. And, you know, if everything uh, works as it should, then Julian should be free and home with us. Uh, but uh, things are not working as they should. So it's very, uh, we're very worried. And um, the situation is now very urgent because he could be extradited. Um, any week now. The last time most of us would have seen Julian were those horrible images going back some years ago where he was taken from the embassy and we saw him being carted off and piled into the back of a van and off to jail. Um, they were the images that most of us would have seen. His health seems to have deteriorated. We, we saw him. He was always a very charismatic looking man, and but his health seems to have deteriorated and he looked quite disheveled. That must have been very concerning for you. Well, I knew how things had deteriorated inside the embassy. Um, the embassy was a, a very hostile environment towards the end. The Ecuadorian government had uh, renewed its ties with the United States. There was a change of direction in its foreign policy when there was a new government elected in 2017. So there was an effort to basically suffer him out of the embassy. And so uh, they basically cut off his... Um, uh, contact with the outside world. They cut off his internet, his visitors. Um, they didn't let him bring a hairdresser in. Uh, they took away his shaving um, a, a kit. Uh, and that's why he, he looked the way he did, because uh, the struggle in the embassy was a daily struggle. And after, after he was taken out, uh, we learned that the embassy security um, was actually working at the time, not just for the Ecuadorian um, uh, embassy, but also for the US intelligence and had been spying on his meetings and uh, and worse. Uh, so the, the situation in the embassy was very hostile and, and that's why uh, it was, he looked so shockingly unwell when he was taken out. And from there he was taken to a high security, notorious prison in the UK, the most notorious prison is called Belmarsh. Some people call it Britain's Guantanamo. Um, and mm. that's where he's been for four months, sorry, four years and about uh, four months now. I mean, what sort of access have you had to him? Now, I know you got married last year. We didn't obviously see pictures of the two of you together, but you look beautiful, can I just say, at your wedding as well. And you got married, you got permission to get married. But what was that like trying to get married under those circumstances? It was extremely difficult. Uh, the first time we inquired about getting married was, I think, December 2020. And we only managed to get married in March 2022. Uh, in the beginning, there were COVID restrictions. Um, and then the prison was dragging its feet. We had to uh, say 
tell the prison that we were going to take the matter to judicial review and then they finally reacted and then eventually we were able to get uh, married there but not after you know quite a lot of back and forth with the prison for example mm -hmm. they only allowed us to have six guests and uh, only family and they said that the children were included in the six people so in the end we just had uh, my mom and my brother and Julian's father and his brother and our two children and and that was it and we tried to have um, the witnesses that we had chosen were Julian's close friends and they happened to be journalists and the prison said uh, that they could not be the witnesses because they were journalists. Uh, we wanted our own photographer there, uh, which was denied. There were pictures taken by the prison, but they're in possession of the prison. I do have some printouts, but I had to sign a form saying that uh, that I would not share it with the press or social media. Um, you can... Wow. Uh, one can wonder what kind well, of... It just goes to show you, uh, some things never change. I mean, the very reason he's there, of course, is people will argue that he's there for being a journalist, that he's there for giving information that the public needed, that he's there, I mean, I suppose, paved the way over the last, say, 13 years for whistleblowers across the world, uh, not just, you know, in America or the UK, here in Ireland as well, and many people quote Julian Assange. So he's in jail for essentially being a good journalist, and that's that's what many people would believe at the time as well. I mean, his situation, and by the way, how is he now? Because obviously, when was the last time you spoke to him and how is he? Well, I spoke to him today and we do speak uh, daily unless there's something that goes wrong. And that's really a lifeline for, for us both. Uh, but I can see him maybe once or twice a week. He, um, during the COVID period, it was extremely difficult. We weren't able to see each other for six months. Uh, and the more he's able to have contact with us, uh, the children and I and be able to see his friends and, and be able to speak to us, uh, the, you know, the, the better it is for him. And likewise, the more isolated he is, uh, the, the more difficult it gets. So during the COVID period and the very beginning when he was in the healthcare win wing because of the uh, risk of suicide, uh, the prison put him there for about six months and he was extremely isolated and that period was extremely dark and he was, you know, it seemed like he was completely disconnected from the world and, and disconnected from being able to communicate to, and it was very disturbing. And mm -hmm. in the United States, he would be placed in, in extreme forms of isolation because this is a, a national security case, according to the U.S. prosecution. And um, that would mean that he would be in a in a dramatically deteriorated state, and that's why he can never go to the United States. Um, the suggestion, of course, that if Donald Trump gets back into office, that he will give him a pardon. There was a suggestion in the past that Donald Trump would give him a pardon, provided Julian was willing to suggest that Democrats, or should I say his party, had nothing to do with it. I, do you believe he'll get a pardon if indeed this action that you're currently taking at the moment doesn't work? Do you believe that if Donald Trump gets back in, he will give him a pardon? Look, Julian's life cannot depend on the whims of whichever president is in the White House. We know now uh, that the Obama administration decided not to prosecute Julian. Trump came in and with the instigation of Mike Pompeo, who was head of the CIA, uh, they went after Julian. Uh, they charged with him with 17 charges under the Espionage Act, which is completely preposterous because what he's being accused of is journalism. And then um, maybe or maybe not a president will pardon him. Uh, he should never have been prosecuted in the first place. What has been criminalized here is 
news gathering activity, he received this information from Chelsea Manning, which was the source. A whistleblower who has since been pa- who has since been pardoned himself. Exactly in 2017, and it's now 2023. And Julian, who was simply the publisher, the one who made information, which was of extraordinary public importance, available to the public, so that. Um, the U.S. government um, could be exposed, you know, committing crimes, including against two Reuters journalists in Iraq, um, killing them from a helicopter alongside Iraqi civilians, and many, many other instances of crimes uh, committed under the color of authority. Um, That's all thanks to these publications that Julian is now um, at risk of spending the rest of his life in prison over. And, you know, the West, if it really... um, practices uh, what it says it, it believes in press freedom in an open democratic society, then Julian should not be in prison. And there's just no two ways about this. I mean, you are getting a lot of public attention at the moment. Well, not you personally, but the Julian's case is getting a lot of public attention. I know Roger Water, but Roger Water spoke about it on stage the other night in front of thousands of people, um, and he is backing you. I know they. Uh, we talked about the Australian government a few minutes ago, suggesting that if they want to have good relations with Australia, that America should um, or should not follow this line or this this pursuit of Julian Assange. Other governments have said the same thing. Why do you think America just are not listening? I think this case is extremely controversial, even within the United States. Uh, In each of the administrations, as I said, the Obama administration decided not to prosecute. Uh, The Trump administration prosecuted, but it was controversial even then. And under the Biden administration, it's also controversial. But you have to uh, take into account that, for example, Secretary Blinken, who uh, just a couple of days ago uh, made some rather inflammatory um, remarks that were completely unfounded, by the way, Um, He was part of the U.S. State Department when WikiLeaks published the State Department cables. Um, So, you know, it was it it was his his um, department that was exposed to committing wrongdoing. So there is also some personal beef with some of these people who are uh, representing the administration. But I think there's also other um, parts of the administration that are pulling in the opposite direction. And of course, this case is a fundamental attack on freedom of speech, on freedom of the press, which of course in the United States has very strong protections, but those protections are fundamentally undermined by this prosecution. It's the first time ever that the Espionage Act has been deployed against a publisher for publishing. Um, and, you know, this is a real departure. It's it's uh, unprecedented and mm-hmm. this will set the precedent for the rest of the press, globally actually. For those kind of following the case, uh, I, I remember I think it was last month that the UK government has said that they would extradite him to the United to the United States under Priti Patel. And um, where are you right now, and what is the situation right now? And is that situation getting worse, or is it getting better? Well, I'd say on the one hand, politically, we're in a better position. Uh, the there are world leaders, uh, Lula da Silva, the president of Brazil, uh, challenges journalists in his press conference just. Yesterday, he does it repeatedly and says, "Why are you not talking about Julian Assange more? This case is a, a is a you know disaster for press freedom globally." Um, and you know the Aus- Australian Prime Minister says that Julian should be should be released. And um, so this this wasn't happening a few years ago. So it's a very high profile case, and there's a recognition now uh, by all the free press uh, free speech groups that this case has grave consequences for everyone. Um, and that uh, Julian has to be released, and this case is is very, very dangerous. 
So in that sense, I think we're in a much better place um, than when Julian was first arrested. On the other hand, uh, the UK courts should have thrown this case out from day one. And we've learned uh, new information as time goes by. Uh, this, these whistleblowers from the security firm working in the embassy saying that Julian's legally privileged conversations with his lawyers were being spied on, not just casually mm. spied on, but actually with instructions. Uh, hard drives were transported to the United States. Our six-month-old baby was, there was instructions to to take his DNA by, by wow. stealing a nappy. Uh, yeah, uh, extraordinary criminality. And then uh, just a, a year and a half ago, there was an investigation uh, that exposed uh, how Mike Pompeo, as head of the CIA, had, had ordered what they called it sketches um, about how to not only kidnap, but even assassinate Julian. Of course, the UK should never send a person to a country that has been plotting his assassination. This is an obvious thing. Uh, and yet here we are with the UK having green done basically greenlit his his extradition, and they've done that by avoiding the subject. So we're at a stage uh, where Julian has tried he's he's sought leave to appeal to the High Court, which is the second level court in the UK in England, and um, he has been denied permission for leave to appeal, and we have now taken it to. A separate panel of two judges for them to review that decision. But as things stand, uh, Julian, if if the decision that has been taken is confirmed, Julian will be extradited on the basis of a magistrate decision from uh, three years ago. And when when will you know? When will you? Sorry for interrupting, but when will you know that for sure? You know, is there a timeline on that at the moment? I know back in June, Priti Patel had said fourteen days uh, for an appeal, but is there a timeline now as to when you'll know whether he's going to be safely kept in the UK, be be it you know in jail for the moment or going to be extradited? When will you know that for sure? Well, we don't we don't know. This is the the incredibly difficult um, element for us. Uh, the High Court uh, can decide basically the, the timeline. There's no set date for uh, the public hearing. Thankfully, it will be a public hearing, which is better than the previous decision, which was taken by a single judge behind closed doors on the papers. Uh, but uh, that that decision could come down the same day as the hearing. If they so decide, he could be taken uh, straight away from from the prison to an, to an airfield, for all we know. Uh, the way things have worked when it comes to Julian, um, it's very unpredictable. The worst case scenario is is often what happens, even against people's predictions of you know what what one should expect. Um, and so we're expecting um, uh, that things could could develop very dramatically and very soon. And that's why uh, public awareness is so important. I mean, when we look at what actually Julian was accused of doing and at the time back in 2010, Julian wasn't even in the height of what they call social media nowadays and media the way it works nowadays. You know, people have done a lot more than Julian probably ever did nowadays. I mean, it is freedom of the press. I mean, everybody nowadays is a kind of citizen journalist anyway, when we look at sort of TikTok or we look at all those other outlets and we've seen videos that are equally as bad, if you want to refer to it as that, as to what Julian released at the time and names and investigations by media outlets all over the world. It's just mind-blowing that they would continue this on for 13 years for what he was accused of actually doing in the first place, which was, you know, really, it, it was 
there wasn't very much to it when you consider what's actually happening now in the world, the amount of whistleblowers all over the world now. Well, that's right. I mean, he is being used as a deterrent. He is being used to basically bully others into compliance, um, into not having the same idea as him to making journalism as effective as it possibly can be. And what we've seen over the past 13 years is a deterioration of, of our right to um, hold mm -hmm. governments to account, uh, account and at the same time governments becoming extremely powerful um, and allying themselves with uh, those uh, sur the basically the surveillance um, and monitoring and sensor censorious elements of the internet. If people want to support you, and I know many people listening today and many people around the world do want to support you, I know the hashtag has certainly gone viral all over the internet as well. How can they do that? Or what's the best way of people supporting you and Julian? Well, I think it's important to remember that uh, Joe Biden considers himself to be Irish. So that's a, a very interesting thing. Uh, Don't Extradite Assange is a website, don'textraditeassange.com, uh, that has a lot of resources and it also has a take action uh, page. Uh, I have something called the uh, Free Assange Emergency Toolkit um, and it also uh, takes you to, you can go to that through don'textraditeassange.com. Obviously, you can support the campaign and the legal battle and all that information is on that website. I mean, how is the legal battle going at the moment? I mean, it must, I, I know originally, by the way, you were on his legal team, weren't you? That's how you first met, of course, that you were on his legal team. That must be a tough battle because, you know, the charges are for what he actually did are pretty serious. I mean, when you talk about, you know, national security, and we're seeing that at the moment, of course, with Donald Trump as well, um, although Donald Trump refers to it as political interference, um, we're seeing what's happening there. So these kind of charges are considered to be quite grave by the Americans. But yet a legal team will kind of trawl through these things for years because there are so many arguments back and forward. So that must be a minefield. Well, what's, what's um, mind-blowing about this case is how how what used to be very clear uh, cut um, interpretations of the legislation that Julian is charged under has completely been um, reinterpreted in order to bring a case against him. And this is partly due to the fact that um, there has been a, an increased hostility towards uh, whistleblowers, towards leaks, uh, and towards journalists who are willing to publish inconvenient truths and uh, this is a tool, it's a political offense uh, that has been um, repurposed not to uh, accuse, um, in this case, not accusing Julian as a spy. There's no allegation he was acting on behalf of a government, but rather that he was acting uh, for the benefit of the public. I mean, that's, that is in the indictment that the purpose was to publish information to the public. So basically, the public is being treated as the enemy. Um, he was he is being accused of committing espionage for the people, essentially. Um, and of course, this is a mad, mad proposition. And apart from that, uh, Julian is, of course, an Australian citizen. He is uh, not American. He never worked for the U.S. government. It's as uh, silly a proposition as if. Uh, you know, as if an Irish journalist were accused by Morocco of 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 um, yeah. uh, failing to to keep Moroccan secrets uh, uh, <laughs> secret, um, especially like Moroccan secrets, let's say, of the army committing 
um, murder against civilians. So this is, you know... Yeah, well, it comes down to the fact that America always believed they're the most important country in the world. Uh, and that's what it comes down to all the time, isn't it? Well, they, they, they think they have this... that there is no other sovereignty in the world and, and, um, and that they basically can use their laws um, and pierce other countries' sovereignty um, and pluck people out of other jurisdictions and prosecute them uh, in the United States under, you know, under their laws. Uh, it's, it's bizarre and it's also quite uh, surprising to me that the UK has gone along with it, uh, that they have allowed themselves um, to basically undermine their own sovereignty, their own jurisdiction in this way um, and, and allow this to happen. I, I, I just wanted to ask you as well, I I watched that movie, The Fifth Estate. I'm sure many people have watched the movie who want to kind of get a gist of it. But I know uh, Julian himself wasn't too pleased with the depiction of his life and what had happened in the movie. How did he feel about that? I'm just curious because maybe what I read was incorrect. But I don't know whether he ever met Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, how, how did he react to that movie? Well, Benedict Cumberbatch asked to come to the embassy to meet Julian. And Julian wrote back to him, and I think that exchange is is on the internet somewhere. Uh, he wrote back to him saying, I can't receive you because I don't endorse this film. This film was based on two hostile books, uh, one um, by a disgruntled uh, WikiLeaks employee who had left and then started a rival that never, that mm -hmm. never actually um, published anything. Um, and the other one was the Guardian book, and of course the Guardian had fallen out by with uh, Julian by then, and also published the password to the to the um, diplomatic cables, which led to all the cables being published and so on. So there was a hostile uh, two hostile books that informed this film, and of course had a very caricaturesque um, portrayal of Julian, um, mm. and that's a shame. I, I've always said that you know. Uh, the real story is so much interesting, more interesting. Um, but, then, but then it's quite sad, isn't it, that people get the idea of what Julian was like from a movie, because the movie, of course, was quite a popular movie. So And people kind of get what, or get a gist or a feel for what Julian was like from that movie, which is quite sad if that's not actually what he's like or what actually happened, which is quite sad. Well, anyone who wants to see what Julian actually is like should look uh, up interviews with him on YouTube and you see that it's a completely different um, character. He's funny, he's subtle, he's thoughtful, um, he's generous, and, and he's very caring about the future of humanity and uh, victims' right to know the truth. And extremely intelligent, too, uh, for that matter, as well. I mean, we've seen, I already interviewed the other day, um, we were talking to a media outlet in the United States who do something very similar to what Julian was doing back in 2010. And I always asked them, are you always watching your back? Are you afraid? And he said, look, we've had the FBI search our houses on numerous occasions, take away our documents. Um, and they, Project Veritas actually was the name of the organization. Sorry, it just left me there for a second. But they, again, are trying to expose the truth. But once again, by trying to expose the truth, you get accused of doing all sorts of things. So do you think... If Julian gets out, and I suppose this is the big question people want to know, do you think he'll be happy enough to retire peacefully and sit in married life with your children, your beautiful children? Or do you think he will continue, I suppose, to try to expose the truth as a journalist? I think I can't speak for Julian. Uh, I know that he needs to come out. He needs to be able to, you know, be outside, outdoors, uh, step mm. on 
on on grass for the first have time. freedom freedom um, i suppose yeah he needs freedom uh but i know that julian is extremely disturbed by the um censorship um regime that has basically developed uh over the especially over the past four years where he hasn't really been able to follow it as closely as he has wanted to he doesn't have any internet i, I send him articles and so on including in ireland uh, the hate speech bill uh, you know, there's there's legislation. We've talked about that quite a lot recently. Right. And there's legislation in, in many different countries. And it seems like the public is not uh, keeping up with where things are going and how they're developing. And censorship is, is uh, you know, um, taking place at the architecture uh, in the um, basically the infrastructure of the Internet in ways that we cannot uh, review or or uh, control necessarily um and so our our ability to speak to each, each other and communicate freely is being interfered with um and julian of course being a technologist being an expert on these things on both communication and free speech um and uh the internet uh he's you know he's a he's a uh, computer engineer originally um he would be able to have a very important um, mm. voice in this debate and be able to, I think, lead on the anti-censorship anti uh, well, side well, we, of this. We, we've, so seen, I, we've seen what happened with the Twitter files and more recently the Facebook files. Of course, the American government interference in conversation, interference in narratives, interference in policies, uh, interference, exactly. of course, in banning people who are qualified people from even speaking. We're going to see more of that, of course, with climate change and everything else going forward too. But you are right in relation to Ireland's hate speech but laws uh, or updated hate speech laws, which have just gone through the houses of the Oireachtas, probably going to get signed by the president in the next three or four months. And what that will do is, even if not one person gets prosecuted, it causes a chilling effect. And that's what's happening with Julian around the world, of course, there's a chilling effect. The effect is that, will I do this? Because if I do it, I might get arrested. So it stops people from even taking that chance. And I think that's the fear that most people have when it comes to speech. That's, good. that's exactly right. The, the laws go far beyond um, hate speech. And so, no, there's no clear line anymore. And, and, uh, Basically, where the when the um, the means to shut down speech and to not just shut down speech, but to uh, censor you in other ways to stop you from having your livelihood and, and or just uh, socially ostracizing uh, people for stating their opinion. This changes the political uh, climate, the, the societal um, uh, climate entirely. And over time, this becomes, it solidifies. So this is uh, a completely new trajectory. I'm sure that's something that George Orwell would be very proud of. Here in Ireland, for example, part of that hate speech bill means that you don't even have to produce it. You don't even have to say it. If you had a poster in the back of your car, and um, that might have had something that could be considered hateful uh, by a group or a minority or whoever it happens to be, or even by the government, uh, and you didn't even use it, the very fact that you have it and may plan to use it is enough to get you prosecuted, which is the most bizarre thing we've ever heard of. Well, look, we all wish Julian well. We wish you well. Um, we certainly hope that we will be able to maybe sit down and interview him someday and we, he'll be in that position that he'll be able to do that. I think he'll be a very wanted man by the media when he does eventually get out to have a long conversation with. Uh, we wish you well. And if people can do anything at all, uh, they can go to the website, of course. There's a pack there. They can help out in any shape or form. And of course, you're saying that this, this next High Court hearing is a public hearing. So I suppose what you want to do is make sure as many members of the public are there to support him. Yes, uh, as many members of the public 
are involved, following the case, drawing attention to it, keeping the press, um, you know, um, onto it as well. The press needs to pay attention because this affects them, um, not just not just Julian. Mm. Okay, well, look, when we do post up this uh, interview, we will put up the link to the website as well uh, so people can get that information. And I thank you very much today for coming on and I continued success in getting Julian free uh, from jail and stopping him, of course, from going to the United States. We wish you and we wish him very well. Thank you very much indeed, Stella. Thank you. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Podcast. Listen live on Facebook, YouTube, and all the usual live stream services. To get in touch, just WhatsApp or text 085-100-2255. The Niall Boylan Podcast. They told me to shut up. Available for download from all your usual platforms. <laughs>